up this rest of the chapter. We're praying that God will take His Word and use it tonight. The Apostle Paul here is beginning to certify his ministry and his calling. As a matter of fact, I only titled this as the Apostle Paul's Testimony. <clears throat> In verse 11 of this text, we'll read down through verse 24. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now, the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth of the faith which once he destroyed. And they glorified God in me. One of the greatest things that a Christian needs to get a hold of is the fact that our sole duty in life is to bring God glory. That is your main focus as being saved by the grace of God. And Paul is here stating that the life that he lived and the life he now lives truly is that which has brought God glory. And I pray tonight that we can say the same thing of our own lives. May the Lord move upon us this evening. May the Lord direct our hearts. May we... May we go back and we remember, had it not been for the grace of God, where would we be at this very moment? Something to consider, isn't it? May God help us to reflect tonight's service. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before your throne this evening, we do so with thankful hearts. We are thankful, dear God, for your great salvation. We thank you, dear God, that you called us out of the darkness and brought us into the marvelous light. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you placed upon our minds 
what the intent was for our salvation, not just to save us from hell, but to bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, I pray tonight that you bless this congregation. Help us to glean from the scriptures. Help us to glean from the life of Paul. And that was of Saul before. Lord, I pray that you'll just bless us. Watch over us and Lord, forgive us our sin in Jesus Christ's name. And amen. I'm going to have to turn on this fan just a little bit. Tonight, if you're here and you're saved by the grace of God, then you have a testimony just like the Apostle Paul had. Maybe not the same degree, but certainly in the same sense. We were all sinners saved by God's amazing grace. And as I spoke just a moment ago, where would you be tonight had it not been for God's grace? The Apostle Paul here simply opens up with this understanding. God has wrought this work in my person. God has opened up the way of salvation to me. God has taught me His divine word. And God has opened up to me His divine attributes. And now... Paul explains that I've come to expound this word unto you. So first of all tonight, as we look at this scripture, and we look at verses 11 down through verse 14, we see that God speaks to the heart and to the mind of individuals that He calls. Now, as we look at this, and I want you to know that Paul probably didn't use the same words I'm going to use tonight, But there is an outward call, a general call, and there's the inward call, the divine call that man cannot escape. Now, the Apostle Paul had heard the gospel many times before when he was Saul. When he would go and he was threatening a a slaughter, when he was even holding the coats of the the stoners who who stoned uh, Stephen to death, There stood Saul as he watched that man yield up the ghost and he spoke very highly of the Holy Spirit and the great Son, the great Jesus Christ in heaven. No doubt these things had to have bearings upon Saul as a man. There are other times, I just, you know, I, I cannot see a man being so cold-hearted that he cannot feel, although I know it's there, and I know there are those out in the world today who are just like that. Maybe that's the pessimist in me. Maybe that's just a, 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 that one who's always hoping for the good to come out instead of the bad. But, you know, Saul was one of those men who was, who was, who was bad to the core. Here was a man who who threatened uh, not only moms and dads, but children as well. And as I've spoke many times before, during the dark ages, that's one thing that the Baptists have, have, have seen down through the ages, is persecution because they would not go back on the Word of God. They would not go back on, 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 the, on this thing of baptism. And 
they were, they were slaughtered at the stakes for that. They were burned at the stake. They were beheaded. They were boiled in vats of oil. They were, uh, they were drawn and quartered. I, I watched a, a, a uh, I didn't watch it, but I saw a picture that was depicting this in, in ancient times today and as in my, in my study. And I was looking at this as they had, of course, they didn't show everything in the picture, but, but uh, they, they had this illustration of a man who was tied uh, on all four limbs and in his midsection and, and on all those points of tying, there was a horse and a rider ready to pull him asunder. But yet that man would not recant. And yet knowing that his children were going to see the same thing, he kept the faith all the way to the end. But you know, as you look at these men who, who commit such atrocities, you wonder how in the world and uh, their heart of hearts can they, can they have a, 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 a true feeling for humanity? Well, I'll tell you, Saul was a, Saul was a bad man. Saul was just one of those kind of men that was, that would not just persecute the church, but he tried his best to completely annihilate the church in his time and in his day. When did God speak to, to Saul? Or as we know him as Paul. The apostle Paul without doubt was an eyewitness to the power of the almighty gospel and to the testimony of others he had persecuted along the way indirectly by their own testimonies such as Stephen of Acts 7 verses 54 through 60. These are words which mankind cannot easily forget. When Stephen looked up to heaven and you and, and then you go back to the to, to Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary as Jesus looked up to heaven. And, and, and you think about this. And you think about these men who would say, Father, lay not this char- sin to their charge. You know, as I think about that, I, I, I just can't imagine what Saul had to have been thinking during that time. But what the Apostle Paul here is declaring is that God sent forth a call that could not be explained away, nor could it be ignored. Saul ignored the outward call many times, but he could not refuse the inward call. In Acts chapter 9, you see uh, while on the road, uh, 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 there there Saul met the, the God of heaven. There Saul saw and heard the voice of God. And you know that's exactly the same way that we are saved today. We hear the voice of God as He calls us and beckons us unto His side. That's the inward call that no man can escape from. Now, I've heard men tell me that, well, now I've, I eluded the inward call not when God began to call. Listen, that's a call that you cannot refuse. That's the irresistible grace. That's another one of those doctrines uh, that many people hate today and don't even like to say it in the pulpit. I know Baptist preachers who, who do not even like to say the word irresistible grace. Folks, I want you to know something. That's what it is when God gets a hold of you. 
That's the way it is when God gets a hold of you. It's something that you can't explain, but that you cannot get away from. You know, I've heard men, I've heard men, preachers uh, of the Word of God, refuse to talk about uh, uh, this uh, this uh, predestination thing. But what does God's Word say, though? God's Word says there are those whom God gave unto Jesus Christ, those are the ones that Jesus came to die for. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Saul ignored the outward cause, but he could not ignore the inward call. In Isaiah 45, if you'll go back here for just a moment, Isaiah 45. Notice what it says here in 22. Here is a call that goes forth, look unto me. And be ye saved all ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. You know, today people want to take that literally and tell you that that God has commanded salvation to come to every man, woman, boy and girl. But that's not so, is it? It's not so. God says, I've sent my son to die for a people. I've sent my son to shed his blood and we get to this limited atonement thing and that's another one of those those areas that a lot of preachers today, they would rather leave undone. But know what the Bible says. God's word says that he came to die for those whom the Father had given him. Go to John chapter 17. As you're looking at the, at the prayer of Jesus Christ there, you begin to see, I think there's about seven or eight different instances where predestination of the believer is, lo- is located and where it's spoke of in the Word of God, in the Gospel of John. Why, what I'm saying is this. You know, in Isaiah chapter 55, let's just back up just a little bit. We were right there in 45, going over to 55. And notice what it says here now in verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. You know what? That's the general call that I put forth every Sunday and every every time I'm behind this pulpit. I, I put forth a call, come unto the Lord. Matthew chapter 11, I, I tell you, I tell the lost sinners in this house, come and he says, I'll give you rest. But how many times did you come? Not, not every time. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit hadn't dealt with your heart. You know, that's what I'm praying for here tonight. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God will deal with hearts just like he dealt with the heart of Saul on the way to Damascus. I want you to think about this now. I want you to think about Saul and his calling. The Apostle Paul states here in the Word of God that his conversion, just as is ours, and anyone who has been saved was a calling directly from God. That was the inward call. If you would, go to Galatians 1.15. We're right here close in our text. Now, I'll read this to you. Notice what it says here in Galatians 1 and verse 15. Now, there's a lot of people in Baptist churches who have never heard what I'm teaching you tonight, but it's in the Word of God. There are a lot of men who have stood behind pulpits who have refused to preach 
the whole counsel of God, but it's in the Word of God. He says here in verse 15, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. You know, that takes free willism and throws it out the door. You know, so many today want to lay claim to the fact that I can get saved whenever I want, how I want. No, you'll be saved when God calls you. Now, that is just just some old Bible truths there. Listen, the Apostle Paul, again, he stated that he was called of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, as you turn there, 1 Peter 1 and verse 15, the Bible states this, but as he which hath what? Called you. How did he call you? He called you, number one, through the gospel preaching. But now, it doesn't stop there because the gospel is the general call that goes forth to everyone. So how was Saul saved? How was, how was you saved by the grace of God? John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. In other words, it was the Spirit of God that made you aware of the fact that you had to be saved and without the quickening of the Spirit, you would have never come to life to realize your, your need because you were dead in trespasses and sins according to Ephesians chapter 1. Or chapter 2. You were dead in trespasses and sins. So what can a dead person do? Let me tell you something. I've preached a lot of funerals. I have yet to see one dead person get up and speak to me. I have yet to see one dead person get up and shake my hand. Or began to pray right there. Listen, that doesn't happen because they're dead physically and it's in the same sense in salvation. You're dead spiritually. Without Jesus Christ, you're dead spiritually and you can do nothing. That's the reason why our works don't save us. That's the reason why that we're not saved by our good deeds. That's the reason why it takes a special act of God to make you alive to see your need for the first time. May God help you even here tonight. Now the second thing I want us to look at. The second thing I want to look at here tonight is we come again to this this one portion of Scripture that so many people today, they, they absolutely hate the Baptist for. The Armenian hates the Baptist for this belief. But there's a lot of Baptists that also hate what I'm about to say. Now, God says, and the Apostle Paul is stating here, that I was saved when he called me. Now, in verse 15 of our text in Galatians 1, but when it pleased God. You know, Brother Elton, bless his heart, he always, you remember what he always said. Brother Elton Smith, he would, he would look at me and he would say in a moment, he would say, I don't understand why I never believed. And then he would start to click with him. He said, oh yeah, I know. 
He said, but I don't know how I was so blind. I said, well, that's the way the sinner is. The sinner's blind to their sin and to their need. This has to be revealed unto the lost sinner. When God begins to work on the lost sinner, he reveals unto them their need and they see themselves for the first time the way God really sees them. A lost, dead sinner. So we come to this thing, which as I said, the Armenian abhors, and that's predestination. You see, this moves man's will and interjects it with God's will. Amen? That's what happens in predestination. The Bible speaks about the fact that predestination is something that's predetermined before time. When was your name written in the Lamb's book of life? What does the Bible say? Man says your name was written in the Lamb's book of life when you walked an aisle, when you was baptized, when you were saved. But God says that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Now that's what the Bible says. That's what God's Word says. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15 it says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's wound and called me by His grace. In other words, listen, this is one of the reasons why that I believe in life. I'm pro-life and this is one of the reasons why. Listen, even in our mother's womb, God knows you. Listen, not only does He know you, but He's got a plan for your life. And it's like I said Sunday night, God has a master plan for your life. I don't know what it is and I don't know what His master plan is for me. But this one thing I do know, as I follow God, He reveals Himself unto me. Now, I never in my life would have dreamt that I would have been a Baptist preacher. I never would have thought that in my days of growing up. In my high school years, I never would have, and and folks, believe me, men that I worked with in my early years would would have said, there ain't no way. Matter of fact, when people look at me today and they come in, maybe I'm in the hospital visiting somebody, they look at me and they say, "Mm, something happened to you, (laughs) something happened to you. Yeah, the Lord got a hold of me. Listen, I want you to know something. That's what happens at salvation. God gets a hold of you. And that's what what Paul is stating here. It says, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. In Acts 9, you know, after, after he was struck down, it was said of him that he was a chosen vessel, chosen unto God. In John chapter 17, I have to go back here and look at this just a little while as we, as we dive into this old truth. Now, again, the Apostle Paul didn't use words like we use today, necessarily predestination, Well, they did use the term election in in the early days, but notice this. Notice what what John 17 is saying here. In Jesus Christ, as he begins to pray for his children, he says in verse 2, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Listen, 
Folks, I'll tell you, that's, that's, that's those that's going to be saved. Now, man don't want to hear that today. You know why? Because they haven't been taught the truth today. Thanks be unto God for the Emmanuel Baptist Church who have over a hundred years have come up with the Word of God and stick to the, stick to the Word of God. Listen, as I said before, one preacher away, if a church is not careful, one preacher can turn the whole outlook of a church. That's the reason why you've got to be careful when you're calling a pastor. Make sure. Make sure... Listen, you make sure he's preaching the Word of God. You make sure that he's staying with his stuff and staying with the Word of God. And the second place you see this is in verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou hast given me out of the world. There's a second thing. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. The third place that you see that. The fourth place is found in verse 9 where it says, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. There's the fourth place that uh, predestination and, and the election of God is mentioned in this prayer. The fifth place is found in verse 11. Where the Bible states, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy name, thine own name, who's who, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. Again, verse 12, you see the sixth place. While I was with him in the world, I kept them in thy name, those that thou Gavest me, I have kept, and have, and none of them is lost. We go to the seventh point. Now, I know there's other places that, in a side step, you know, speaks of this, but the seventh definite call is verse 24, where it says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Had it not been, and had God left us to ourselves, we would have never came to Jesus Christ. That's the way Saul was. Saul would have never seen. He was one of the most religious men that was walking in that day. As far as the Jewish religion is concerned, he was a master. There was none greater than Saul during those days. He knew the traditions of his fathers. And it never changed him. Religion never changed him. What changed him was this. God called him by name. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And what did Saul do? What was, his, what, was his, what was his remark? Lord? And you look at that Lord there in the Bible and it's capitalized. He knew who he was talking to. You know why he knew? Because the Lord had done spoke to his heart. You see, that's what happens to us. And that's what happened to Saul when he became Paul. In Acts 16 14, 
again, we get ready to go to our last point here. In Acts 16 and 14, this is what the Bible states. Speaking of Lydia, you know she was there to worship God. You would have thought, well, she must have been saved. No, no, she wasn't. It's just a lot like a lot of people today. They come to church. You know what it does? It makes them feel good. Now, sometimes they don't leave feeling so good because God's Word sometimes is a, is a, is a blowing hammer. I mean, it just crushes a stone. But listen, here Lydia was by the riverside, and what did the Bible say of her? She was worshiping God. But then as, as these men began to preach the gospel unto them, begin to witness unto them, what happened? The Bible says the Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart. Folks, I, can't, I cannot do that. The best I can do is preach the gospel because that's the only thing God tells me to do. I cannot touch hearts. I cannot get all uh, up in up in emotional way and, and try to break people's hearts. All I can do is preach the word. Listen, I pray God stirs the heart. Listen, that's when it's going to make a difference in your life. When God stirs your heart. But lastly tonight, how was God glorified through Paul's ministry? You know, all that Paul went through and all that he did, he was one of the worst persecutors of the church that there ever was. And when the Lord saved him, it made a difference, did he not? Paul was completely a different man. They changed his name from Saul to Paul. And notice what happened here. Listen, they glorified God because of what happened to him. You know what? If you're saved by the grace of God tonight, your life ought to be, bring glory to God. You ought to be the example to a dark world outside. The light ought to be blowing, just glowing forth from you. That's what brings God glory. This is the Christian's sole duty in life, bringing God glory. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20, notice what it says here. Now listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, the Bible states this, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you and which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore... Glorify God in your body. What you're supposed to be doing tonight is what Paul was doing there. Glorifying God through his body. In verse uh, in chapter 10, right on over just a little bit in chapter 10 and verse 31, what does the Bible say there? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all... Do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do in life. And what Paul is stating here is, listen, whatever you're doing, listen, make sure. If you're, if you're a, a, a bussing tables at a restaurant or if you're, or if you're working the, uh, uh, the, the late shift, wherever you're at, your life 
if you're, listen, if you're up to southern states, Grant, your life needs to glorify God. And, it, and I, I, I've talked to men up there. You've got a good light and a testimony. And I'm not trying to point anybody out, and I shouldn't do that, but I thank God for our young men. Their lives are testimonies. Listen, that's the way we're all supposed to be, amen. Our lives are to be a testimony, a living testimony. Same thing that Romans in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us. Listen, I've got to read that because I don't want to mess it up, but I want you to think about this. In Romans in chapter 12, I'm going to have to come to a close here. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. That you may know what is that perfect and good will of God. I think I messed that up just a little bit there, but you know what I'm saying here. Listen, whatever we do in life, just like uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, I don't care if you're sitting at a table somewhere getting ready to eat, you bow your head, you know what you're doing, you're bringing God glory. People look at that and they see that. They, they, they talk about, there's a Christian. Are you trying to shed, are you trying to, to make people look at you in, in, in some kind of special light? No, but what you're doing, you're bringing God glory. You're bringing God glory. Church family, always remember this. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21, the Bible says, bring God glory through the church. If one ever tries to grab God's glory, like Satan tried that, didn't he? He tried his best to get himself up there where God was, and boy, he he failed miserably. You know what happened? He fell all the way to the earth. He couldn't climb that high. But if somebody tries to grab the glory of God by placing themselves in a place that God has not given them, God has a way of letting them know that He's the one to be glorified. This church, our accomplishments are not by man's power. This is a work that is wrought by God. I love saying it like that. That's the way God's, that's the way God's word says it. If this work is wrought by God, you cannot do anything for it or against it. You can try, but listen, if it's God's, if God's hands in it, you better, you better be careful. Because if this is God's work, it certainly will not end at your death or demise. You know, I had a man once, uh, I had a group of people once to come to me and they said something about a certain individual and this guy was a good guy. I mean, he really was. I mean, as far as uh, knowing the Word of God, he, he, knew what, he knew the Word of God. But you know what? When he let them know that he was going to be leaving that church, people said, oh no, we're going we're gonna to fall apart now. They had their faith in the wrong guy. You see, they had their faith in man. They didn't have their faith in God. Now, we need to understand that that man today, he left that church. The church began to go into shambles because they had their faith and hope in 
and a human being. And when that happens, you can mark her down. If that's where your hope is, you're of all men most miserable. You know what happened to that man? That man's whole family has suffered. That man's whole family has been separated. They have been, they have lost their families. They have been completely, I, I can't even explain it. But you have to realize that this is God's work. Amen? This is the work of God. And as long as God is over this work, God's going to bless this work. The first time we began to put man in front of God, she's going to begin to suffer. And that's what happened to the other church. They, they had a man in front of God. And listen, it led to the demise not only of the church, but the surrounding families in the neighborhood. The name of the church is completely, it is a hissing today. Not only is it a hissing today, but listen, that man and his family have all, they've all met a terrible fate as far as their family life is concerned. Yes, God has a way of making man remember that God is to be glorified. You know, and I believe that that Apostle Paul, as he was telling them in this instance of his testimony, he wasn't bragging, when he told them about knowing all the traditions of his fathers, he wasn't really, he wasn't making a brag. He was just stating what he had been saved from. Listen, that needs to be understood. He had been saved from religion itself. You know what took place? God came into his heart. God called him and God made a difference. And that, what, that's what Paul was telling these individuals here at Galatia. He was telling them, listen, I know. I know what happened to me. These other people that are trying to steer you away from the, from the gospel of Christ, listen. These other people that are trying to steer you back into the law and ceremonialism, they're not telling you the truth. They're not telling you the truth at all. They're going to destroy you. And folks, that's what, that's what I'm here to tell you today. Let's keep the word. I know, you know, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not a popular preacher because of my stands that I take. Listen, this is not my stand. This is God's word we're upholding. I'm only blessed to be able to stand here in defense of the gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul was even saying. In defense of the gospel, I'm here to glorify God. May God truly help us to realize that that's what happens in our lives.